Hello, Brandon. Well, hello, Chris. How are you? I am pretty good. I'm pretty good. I keep interrupting you as you're about to take a drink. I'm very sorry with my timing. Mm. I, I was telling you earlier, I'm, I've switched from all other beverages to bourbon. And yeah. longtime listeners of the podcast will know I've kind of toured the galaxy in terms of beverage quality. It's been a, what's the phrase for when your startup fails? It's been a journey. It's been a journey. It's been an incredible journey. Yes. It's been an incredible <laughs> journey incredible getting journey. you to bourbon. Yeah. Thank you for our amazing <laughs> journey. Yeah. I didn't, I don't think I told anybody about the time I went and bought birthday cake vodka, Stroop waffle liqueur and something else like a coffee liqueur or something. And we tried different concoctions. And I will just tell you, every single thing that I put in my mouth made me wish I was dead. <laughs> that sounds so bad. Yeah. It, well, like I was like, are you sure about this? And Jessica's like, oh, it's going to be great. Don't think about it. It's, <laughs> Don't even worry about it. It's, it's going to be, be awesome. It's gonna Nothing be... can go wrong. Yeah. We poured a lot of alcohol down our sink uh, over the, those few oh. months of discovery. So how, so you, you've landed on, on bourbon. Yeah. What has Jessica landed on now? Um, she's a vodka soda for probably for the rest of her life. She's yeah. okay. So she's still like, she's not, she's also evolved. Yeah. 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 To the to something a little more manageable. Yeah. It's just vodka soda. Yeah. We're, we're not interested in, you know, uh, Sprite and I don't know, rainbow unicorn sprinkle vodka. So yeah, we're grownups now. Look at us. Look at us. Who'd have thought? I'm huh? So proud. Not me. Yeah, because you had you had like scotch. You you did scotch and then like Irish. Whiskey yeah, I did Irish whiskey and scotch. Point? I was kind of trying these different ones, and I would go ask for recommendations yeah. at the liquor store, and they're like, "Oh, I love this," and I'm like, "Nope, I hate this. Thanks, I hate it." And then uh, last time I went and asked for like bourbon or rye recommendations and got this. Uh, Winchester bourbon and it's not expensive and it's pretty 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 good. So that's excellent. Yeah, I rec- highly recommend. It is smooth and delicious. So that's that's probably going to be my go-to until I until it becomes time for humorous beverages again. Yeah. Spring. Springtime. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what I'm putting in my frozen margaritas. It'll be exotic. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. I, so you were telling me you saw a film, a thought-provoking film called The Net with Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Man, you, you said The Net and I was like, shit, I, you read that wrong. And then I, I realized like a second later what The Net was. And I was like, this is excellent. <laughs> Just roll with it. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. You, 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 you had been, you'd watched a film and I want to, cause it's a film I've heard other people recommend strongly and I don't get it even a little bit. Like I've heard zero things other than I've like five people I know are like all about this movie. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I saw a movie called Parasite. It is a South Korean movie by a director named Bong Joon-ho who has directed a bunch of movies. Uh, he directed Snowpiercer and The Host which are probably the two that people like U.S. audiences are most likely. He all, oh, he also did Okja, that Netflix movie. Every movie I've seen of his has been fantastic. Um, I think Parasite might be the best of his movies that I've seen. But yeah, it, I can see why it is hard. It's it's hard to talk about this movie with your friends who have liked it because it is it is hard. 
to just it's hard to convey how great it is by just talking about like what the what happens in the movie though the movie is very interesting it's like it's set in south korea it's about a rich family and a poor family and the poor family essentially like through a series of cons kind of all works their way into working for the rich family they trick their way in and a bunch of stuff ensues as a result I would call it a thriller, most likely. It's that's the best that there there are parts of it that are extremely funny, and overall, I would still call it a thriller. But it, it is, I mean, it's like Succession in the same way where it's like this is such a masterfully made document. Bong Joon Ho is you you will get this. You you know the concept of like shooting coverage in a movie, mm-hmm. right? So Bong Joon Ho famously shoots zero coverage really because he knows going in every single shot that he needs from beginning to end wow and he only shoots those shots and he and when you watch a movie and you're like holy shit that like he comes up with this in his head and then execute it to plan like this is like you know these shots are beautiful and this movie is is cut together incredibly well and like this is what you just like started with and you look on the floor and there's no scraps yeah huh it's unbelievable. Um, it's just, it's it's great. Like, uh, I went and saw it at the Alamo Draft House, which is a fantastic place to see movies. Um, it ends up being, like, a lot of his movies are. It is a it is a giant metaphor about class disparity and capitalism, which is, a as I understand it, a very uh, hot topic in South Korea. Um, the class disparity part. Not the capitalism, although I guess that's probably in there too. But a lot of his movies have that as a theme, and it's God, it was so good. I just can't recommend it enough. And I'm assuming it's not English language; it's uh, like it's subtitled. subtitled. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, man, it's good. Awesome. South Korean movies are excellent. By the way, I could we could do a whole episode on those. I think I've probably ever seen zero. So. Is this where you start? This is a good place. I mean, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you could start here. It's a great movie. All right. You could also start here and like not have it be a commitment to all of South Korean cinema. I think it's just a good one-off movie. Too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. I will check it out. So you went on a trip. I, I did. Uh, I have intentionally not asked you very much about this trip, despite being very curious to hear about it. So that I could ask you about it on this podcast, because that is our life now. It's it, it is true. Uh, this is this is when and how we talk. Yeah, I we had a work trip to New York, which I don't know. That's like a thing for 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 some teams. This was the, our company had a conference there, and and then we had I'm at a company that's big enough to have an engineering conference that's like a tech conference because you you know when you have like 200 engineers or whatever suddenly. If you get your engineering together team together, that's literally big enough to be a conference. Uh, so they like had a CFP and people submitted and talked about because you literally can't know all the shit that's going on in the organization. And so a conference turns out to be a pretty dope format for talking about the big and little things that are going on. Uh, they had a lightning talk format. Uh, this uh, and it, it was really a fantastically put on event by the people. Like, you know, you show up and there's a registration table and swag and we picked up our cool black on black because the company's cool enough now to do like your logo in black on a black T-shirt because it's like 
we don't have to we don't have to we're, we're not a startup we're not trying to get you to know who we are you know who we are how new york of it's you. very new york yeah it was it was such a blast so uh you know new york man it's new york it's such a different vibe and and we talked before about traveling to different places and and new york remains my favorite place to travel to mm-hmm. uh i flew into newark this time which i've i now like i've always flown into jfk before Newark has a uh, NJ Transit straight to Penn Station. It's great, and it's like fifteen bucks. Highly recommend. Like, oh wow! So you're you're on this like nice ass commuter rail uh, from. That sounds great. It's, great. it's so much better than like a cab or air train to a subway or whatever. It's great. I, I don't know why. Like, it's not the best airport in the world, but I think I'll if I can do it, I'll always hit Newark now. So, nice. uh, flew into the city. Got to explore the city a little bit. And man, like I, I like I had like three or four moments where I was like, I fucking love this city. Uh, I used to mm-hmm. used to work for a New York based company that's like really well known in New York that like everybody orders their food from this company. And so like when I would like tell people like, oh, I work here and they're like, oh, oh my gosh, I work at this. Day. And I, I got to go to New York so much that I kind of like got old and haven't mm-hmm. since then. And obviously like. The city's changed a lot in some ways, especially in my favorite parts of it. I really love Chelsea and the High Line, and that's very different. It used to be like you're elevated, on, you know, you're riding, you're walking through the old L train tracks, and it's really cool. The architecture is really cool. Now you're actually kind of like walking through a canyon of upscale condos, ooh, because they've built up on both sides of it, and that's not the best. So you're like. So, you know, the city's changing in some ways that aren't my favorite, but even then the High Line is still like dope as hell. Uh, it it kind of dumps you out pretty close to the standard hotel where there's this amazing beer garden and hung out there and had pretzels and beer and uh, played ping pong with people until late. That's like the touristy side. And then um, I got to just experience the non-touristy real New York side. I I had one experience. I think it encapsulates what's special about the city. So I was like looking for office supplies for this offsite uh, meeting I was doing. And I'm like, I just need like post-its and Sharpies. Where the hell can I go for this? So I like Google office supplies and I wander into this like hole in the wall office supply shop. But I, I remember looking around this, this block in like lower Midtown uh, t- near the Flatiron District and was like, it's like teleporting back to like 1999 to 2003 New York. There's, there is no, nothing here. It's not like completely overrun by Dwayne Reed's. It's, um, there's no chains. There's no lights, just people honking at each other and talking and yelling and whatever. It's very old school, New York bagel shops, whatever. Uh, so I go into this like clearly mom and pop office supply shop and, uh, start looking looking for, you know, Sharpies or whatever, this, you know, old uh, couple of guys just shooting the shit over the counter. One person who's visiting and the person who works there telling a story about, so, you know, the, the, my wife, uh, Margaret goes into the, into this restaurant, you know, you, you hear, you know about a rug joint, right? You ever hear of a rug joint? It's, uh, <laughs> it's a nice place, like an Italian restaurant. That's so nice. It's got a rug, you know? So she, she goes in there and, <laughs> Uh, she orders. She has a great, a great meal. Uh, but it turns out it's one of those places where they treat you nice enough, but not so nice you want to come back because you know it's uh, it's owned by the wise guys where they, you know, they they had to wash the money. 
<laughs> and I'm listening to this story while I'm picking out Sharpies and Post-its. And I'm like, oh, my God, I want to I want to just stay and listen to these guys talk for the next two hours. And a dog walks up and like noses his you know head under my arm. And I'm petting this dog who's the, the office supply store dog while I'm picking out office supplies. The guy's like, hey, do you need, you need any help over there? And I'm like, I'm just grabbing Sharpies. He's like, look at all the colors we have. So many colors these days of Sharpies. <laughs> I got I got a 36-pack back here if you need it. Just let me know what you need. Oh, it man. was just, I just was like, I fucking love this city. Yeah. I had a couple other, like, in you know, kind of like only in New York type experiences where you get a sense of there is a way people live when you live on top of each other. And it's to stay out mm-hmm. of each other's way until you need each other and then be there. And I really, I I don't know, like, I just really like it. I think the magic of that city is in the way that people operate with each other. Like, you're not going to make eye contact on the street. That's against the rules. Uh, You're not going to slow down and say, oh, my gosh, it's you. How are you? You know, you're going to catch up later. But when you tuck into the office supply store, you got nothing but time. (laughs) Nothing's going on. That is very very cool that's true i haven't thought of it that way but i remember the first time i went to new york i being a 19 year old from texas trying to walk around in manhattan in the middle of the workday, uh just like instinctively kept saying excuse me mm. yeah and then like five minutes later i was like i can't i can't keep doing this like this <laughs> no one expects me to and i'm literally saying excuse me non-stop yeah. because like i'm just like everyone's walking on top of each other and then that like thus began the transformative experience of my first trip to New York, where I learned a lot of things in, you know, about how people live differently. And it was awesome. It was a wonderful, and every trip back has been wonderful. It's great. Yeah. I really wish I could have honestly, like in retrospect, I wish I could have found a, an excuse to stay in that office longer and find out what the deal was with that, that guy's wife and the mafia. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude, <laughs> sounds like, awesome. I've, I've been, I don't necessarily have anywhere to be, but also I've been here long enough that it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should just pay for my stuff and go. Given how they were standing and everything, like they were just all standing there talking. They probably could have been like, Hey, I'm going to listen to the story. No, they were set up for hours. I think because one of the guys was sitting in a chair behind the counter and the other guy was leaning on the counter. Like he had been there for like an hour telling this oh, story. I was man. just like, I walked into the middle of a two hour story and I was like, I just want to live here now. I'll just sit here and that pet this dog and shoot the shit with these old guys about <laughs> like about the life, like still mafia strongholds for money laundering. <laughs> like what? I love this town. I fucking love it. <laughs> so it was a, it was a great trip the the conference was really neat and i had a good time and but you know like you've done work conference as a remote worker and mm-hmm. come home so wrung out that i'm not sure if i'm sick or not like i'm just like off my game you got the bug dude yeah it'll wreck you 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 actually that need to recover is why i stopped drinking when i traveled for work i don't, I don't understand people like, like, like i got that. i got sick so often that i was like okay New rules. I'm gonna wash my hands constantly. I'm I'm either like not going to drink or I'm gonna have like one drink the entire trip. I'm gonna get eight hours of sleep every night. I'm gonna carry hand sanitizer with me all the time. Because I went for like a year where I got sick every time I traveled. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I gotta I gotta put on like a full full fledged defense here. Yeah, I, I 
people listening might be surprised because I'm, I drink every time I'm on the podcast, but like I can't do drinking in a work setting. It just doesn't, uh, I don't know. I, I get too nervous about it. I want to, Oh, I see. Like, no, I need to like have my wits about me. Yeah. So I might have a beer or something, but I'm not <laughs> like, I, and I'll hang with people that will go hard. Uh, and I've yeah. learned like, Wow, people that have had a lot of drinks and you're sober, that's not that fun. No, <laughs> they're no, not not fun. Their pontificating at a certain point becomes <laughs> not as fun and useful. Yeah. This has been thrilling, but I'm going to head back to the hotel. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's usually the good time to leave. Yeah. But it was great, man. I'm uh, I'm very happy. And like we talked about this before, like it's my favorite place to get sent for work. I don't make a lot of reasons for myself to go otherwise. So uh, it was fantastic. That's very cool. So as we as we record this and, and as we release it, we are rolling right into a holiday season. And I wanted I wanted to talk to you because we talked a little bit before the podcast, but I think it's uh, I was so delighted by the way that you treat Thanksgiving that I just got, you just got to tell me, you just, <laughs> just tell me and tell everyone the, like, I have I don't know anybody that treats Thanksgiving with the way that you do. Oh man. So this has been like a growing process that my wife and I have kind of iterated on each year. But when we got married, which coincidentally was also when we moved to Austin, uh, so we moved away from like the North Texas Metroplex where we both grew up. We got there. We moved to Austin in October, got married at the end of October. Thanksgiving was in November. Christmas was in December. I think there was a baby shower in there. And we got to like the week before Thanksgiving. And I was like, I've driven from Austin to Dallas too many times already for having lived in Austin for like all of three weeks. I'm not doing it again. Mm -hmm. We're staying here for, for Thanksgiving. And I just texted my whole family and like ripped that bandaid off. And my family was very disappointed. And then we did it. And then it was like the best Thanksgiving ever. <laughs> so now several years later, we have turned it into like Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving holiday is the time to, just soak up the leisure. So my wife and I are both taking the whole week off. So that's like nine days. If you include weekends. Wow. I think she has a massage scheduled for Monday morning. I have a massage scheduled for Saturday morning. Saturday evening, we're going to a movie. Sunday evening, we have reservations at an Italian restaurant in Boulder. We've got food coming from Whole Foods for Thanksgiving. I've got some recipes I'm going to make during the week. It's going to be cold. We're probably going to go see some more movies. We're probably going to like watch Die Hard. We have two cocktails picked out that we're going to make at some point during the week. Like we are just, it is just, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be this, like I've been working for this break for like the last two months. And every week I'm like, God, is it Thanksgiving yet? It's going to be here. <laughs> so it'll be here eventually. Now it's here and I'm psyched. I'm so excited. I'm extremely envious of your Thanksgiving thing. I think a lot of people kind of get trapped in this like family thing where you mm -hmm. are compelled to be somewhere. 
And, and it, it's kind of weird because I don't know many people that are like, I'm so glad we did that. You know, like, I'm so glad that we like bent to the will of our, uh, you know, overbearing family members so that we would be there. Uh, there are so many yeah. less expensive and less taxing ways and reasons to gather your family that Thanksgiving has become sort of obligatory and expensive to travel on. And, um, uh, I, I still, there are things I love about it. Like, uh, so our thing is going to be, we're staying home. Uh, I'm going to smoke a turkey at, in our smoker. I'm going to, we're going to make our best recipes. We're going to make some apple cobbler and homemade ice cream. And we're going, we're just going, we're going all in. But I hadn't thought about the idea of like Thanksgiving week. So they let the kids out of school for Thanksgiving week. So we're kind of not looking forward to it in that regard. The whole, the week. whole week. So the kids get the week off. Oh, wow. But I'm working part of the week. So part of my week is going to be yelling at the kids to stay out of my hair so I can get work done and stop yelling and whatever. So it's going to be a little more hectic. But Thanksgiving itself, I am. it's going to be chill. Same, you know, movies, hanging out, not flying anywhere. <laughs> Not, yeah. you know, like if people can pull it off, it's a pretty sweet life hack. Like families are great, but maybe like pick one. Yeah. Like we do Christmas. Christmas is we are flying across the country and renting a car and going to multiple family members houses on both my and my wife's families. And it's a lot. And it's like five days of pure exhaustion. But Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving's you know, like our time. And the family one is nice too. Like I'm happy to see my family, but I'm also happy to not do that twice in the span of two months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm from Utah. So in Utah, they should do the conference thing since your family is so large, you know, your family is going to be 200 people. They should have a CFP and have oh, people submit. Dang. And yeah, seriously, yeah, like, like I, you want to carve a Turkey? Like, let's see a proposal. What you got? <laughs> Show me a YouTube video. Yeah, video of yeah. you carving a Turkey previously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so it wasn't our family like i I had a single dad and and a few kids so it was like uh, we didn't really like i spent a fair number of thanksgivings at murray calendars but uh then on in a subsequent marriage where they seriously had like you know a family with like eight kids and 80 grandkids or whatever like it was it was a shit show honestly and i've learned to hate family thanksgivings um they were just full of like stress and obligation and so this deal of staying at home and living in a hedonistic paradise, my dude, I think you may have, I think you may have hacked Thanksgiving. We'll see. I, we'll see. If I could do it that well, I would make Thanksgiving a week as well. Yeah. Yeah. On the sixth day I'll of you Thanksgiving. Know how it goes, but I have high hopes. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Uh, all right. So I do have a topic that we've kind of pushed off. It's been sort of like the Matt Damon of our podcast. We've like almost addressed it in like four episodes now. And I think it's time. Wait, what is this? Not, I don't understand the Matt Damon thing. Uh, apologies to Matt Damon. It's like an old Jimmy Kimmel joke. He would like bump Matt Damon like oh, repeatedly every show. Right. Yes. We had a question from a listener some time ago and uh, they were anonymous. So, uh, but we, we appreciate them. The question was, do you think the tech stack choice really matters that much when comparing the top two or three choices, such as language A versus language B, framework A versus framework B? And then I saw, the, this popped back up for me because I saw uh, some activity on Twitter around this uh, and almost like contradictory ideas about this. Uh, one of the ideas was, uh, we'll, we'll link to these tweets in the show notes, but... 
One of them was uh, by user Don Felker. The programming language you use doesn't matter. The framework you use doesn't matter. They're just tools to build things. Build something that works and provides value, and you'll forever be in demand. And then there was another, uh, there was a response to that from Adam Kirk. Totally matters. Matters so much. I write way less bugs in Swift. I got so much more done with Rails. I acquired way less technical debt with EmberJS's opinionated stru structure. I wrote way more performant queries with Ecto. A good language saves you. A good framework teaches you. So we have these like opposing ideas in our industry that they come from, you know, well-meaning places. One of them is that the technology you choose does not matter. It's all just tools. And the other one is, oh my God, are you serious? The tools you choose matter so much. And I, I'm wondering like, why, why are those contradictions when like they're fundamental, fundamental schism of belief in our industry? Like, why do people adhere to one of the, one of those and is like one more right than the other? Is there a middle path? Is there, I don't know, like it's weird that we're this far into this industry and that fundamental yeah. belief is still that polarizing. I think, I think it's actually not that weird if you look at it in a certain, from a certain perspective. That perspective is that we, on our like alleged tech podcast, we spend probably most of the time when we're not talking about TV shows we watch or <laughs> some shit. We talk about like, how basically the technology doesn't matter that much. And what matters is communication and empathy. And I think that's what's happening here, which is to say that I think these two people, if you, when you look at it, it looks like one is a response to the other. And that basically the first person, like the, the, the response is completely disagreeing with the original post. And I think what's actually happening is that they're just talking past each other because I think that there's, there's one level where if you are talking to a group of people, it's probably true that like for that group of people, the programming language that you use doesn't matter. The framework you use doesn't matter. All that stuff. The thing that matters is that this group of people goes out and they build something that works and provides value and they will be forever in demand. But for each of those individuals, those things might matter a great deal. It might matter, like, if, if you have, like, a tool of choice that is the thing that enables you to build something that works and provides value quickly, that matters a great deal for you. But I think the problem is that in so many cases, people make this, like, pretty significant jump from the thing that is the best for me to the thing that is the best. And I think that's where like the original tweet is probably saying universally, like there is no one true programming language. There is not like one absolute best framework. The thing that matters from a universal perspective is that you build a thing that works and provides value. But subjectively, when you are in the process of building a thing that works and provides value, you may absolutely have tools that you prefer and they may matter a great deal to you. That doesn't mean that they are like the one true solution. But I think people make that leap pretty quickly. Yeah. So, so you're, you're kind of describing things in the large and in the small, like in the large, it may not as much, but in the small, it matters a lot. I, I think there's more to it than that too, even systematically. 
when you step back and look at it as a system, because I can tell you times and situations where technology choice was maybe it itself was symptomatic of a style of thought, but really like you and I have sat there and watched somebody try to add HDP headers to <laughs> to, to <laughs> fucking Scala code uh, in, in this like a, uh, uh, what was it like a Akka HTTP library for like half a day experienced Scala engineer trying to add HTTP, a specific HTTP header for half a day on something that would have been in most modern scripting languages, you know, six minutes of work. And I actually saw that play out again in a different company full of experienced Scala developers where people kept asking me like, uh, Hey, we've been, we were used to giving this to our Ruby on rails developers and getting this kind of workout in a matter of days and it's been months for our Scala team and these are extremely experienced highly paid Scala people like are they idiots like no they just <laughs> they are willing to put in more upfront work to get something that they think is going to prov provide more long-term benefit over the scale of years and 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 I think um, some of what you were alluding to is this idea of like a fit for a certain purpose maybe that people kind of uh, I don't know if I, maybe I'm like jumping to a conclusion, but like in the small, it matters a lot because I'm trying to do this thing now. Uh, but in the large, maybe it doesn't matter as much. Uh, but if you're trying to, I don't know, like if you're trying to build CRUD applications and you're trying to build it from scratch using Scala's Akka framework, boy, you just really like decided that you're going to sign up for like three months of nonsense when you could actually start shipping value in 25 minutes on, you know, Ruby on rails or Django or something like that. Yeah. I'm thinking more in terms of the, an individual person may say Scala is the best thing for me. And they may actually be right. Like they may know it so well that they can like pick that thing up and run with it and they can just like make whatever app just sing when they're working with their, you know, chosen or, or like rails, like, Oh, you want to, you want to spin up a web app? Cool. Let's make a rails app. I know rails like the back of my hand and this will give us a bunch of like free wins if I do this. So that's like the small part. But then the large part is saying like, that is true on a person by person basis, but trying to have a conversation but like taking that and extrapolating it to rails is the best choice for all apps is where it immediately is like that shit doesn't matter it doesn't matter that everyone else agrees with you that rails is the best thing it matters that you like rails and you keep using it because it makes you happy and productive mm. okay like i think it's like the weird phenomenon by which people find a thing that works for them and then they just become evangelists for it on a much larger crusade yeah, I've uh, I've I've made multiple trips through there. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I, I've definitely been that person. Uh, but I I bristle when people are like, it doesn't matter. Like while it is true that Facebook is built on PHP and other apps are built on uh, Python and some apps are built on Scala and some apps are built on Java, and and they're all you know that didn't necessarily affect the success of that company in the longer term. You can do something with anything. They all yeah. serve uh, similar things, but there is there are there are purposes to it that are these tools are tailored for. 
that may not be right for every situation. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... I guess that's fair. You were able to write a, a like an acid compliant framework on top of MongoDB. That doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't matter whether you use a relational database or MongoDB. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think like there I keep trying to think of it from from two angles and and they don't play nicely with each other because I do agree with that. Like despite what I was saying earlier where it's like I think it is I think it's just a complete waste of time when people start just proselytizing for some technology internally to a project. It absolutely matters. It matters because like, I don't know, maybe, maybe using Scala is the right choice for your team because of a bunch of factors. One of which is, you know, that you have a ton of experts and that like someone has to be productive in Scala. God knows I wasn't, yeah, but your jo- someone your has job to is to dump, um, you know, messages over a wire into a Kafka cluster and that's your whole, you know, the, yeah. the whole services job. And it's like, yeah, that sounds, you know, maybe that's the thing. Yeah. But there is like, see, this gets into another thing where it's like, for me, I can't talk about this without also talking about the tendency to write your own framework. Okay. No, go for it. And that's the part where I like it immediately falls over for me because it's like I I'm I'm down to accept that like not all like I like I like building web apps in Ember. I've built web apps and other things. There are lots of cool things about doing front end work in other frameworks, but when push comes to shove, I end up picking up Ember. I have no interest in anyone going out and saying Ember is the only way and the best way for all people to build web apps. I just don't think that's a useful conversation for anyone to have. That said, if you give me a team that's like, we're going to use Ember, or you give me a team that's like, we're going to implicitly roll our own framework and we're going to glom onto it every time we need a new feature or someone leaves or someone else gets hired. Like, that choice does matter yeah. <laughs> because your framework is going to be shitty. It's going <laughs> to be shitty. I'm sorry, but it's going to be bad unless you want to go through the work of standardizing and documenting that thing. You should just go with whatever the best, like most well conventioned set of solutions is for whatever base technology you've picked. And that's like another part where it's like, Technology choice is often a symptom of team culture and team structure. And if your technology choice is to make, to not make like one choice, but to instead make infinite choices forever, because you're constantly iterating on your home homegrown framework, then you've like you've already lost this this like product battle. You're done. Yeah, that's this is this is challenging because. This argument is weaponized by people on multiple sides where people that want to fight against new things like, you know, people that want to fight against new things will say, it doesn't matter. You could use your new thing, but you could do everything that you could do with new thing and old thing. Yeah. And it's like, no, actually, you haven't tried new thing. So you don't actually know why. Like if 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 technology choice didn't matter, Rails would have never gotten a foothold. But it did matter mm-hmm. because the existing solutions for building these kinds of kinds of apps were so painful that entire classes of businesses have been able to be launched. Like an entire 
almost cottage industry came out of these MVC frameworks that was sort of bootstrapped by Rails. That suddenly setting up a thing to sell, you know, create a thing that dynamically lets you create shopping cart sites became like doable because of PHP and Rails and stuff like that. That wouldn't have been doable in yeah in Java days or whatever. Uh, would would have been a lot hairier, more difficult. The technology can enable different styles of thinking that yeah. actually cause different things to be possible. So yeah, I, maybe th that's maybe the problem is that this thing is so ill-defined where the technology used doesn't matter and the technology used mat matters very much are both true, uh, but they're both very non-specific and easily redefinable. They're too vague, basically. Where the technology used doesn't matter, the real argument there is you could build something great with any technology. And so don't over-obsess about the technology that you're kind of stuck with. And I do believe that. I think if you stuck yeah. me in a room and my job was to sling Java, I would come up with a way to combine Java and the stuff I give a shit about to create good customer experiences. Like, yeah, that would be a thing. So I think I, like it's, I agree with that aspect of that sentiment, but I think that gets used and weaponized to try to like kill new ideas. Yeah, I've definitely been like in the meeting where someone where where you need to you know we're gonna build a new app or we're gonna try a different approach on this product or something and then it's like an hour later you've listened to a 45 minute tirade about why this has to be go and it has to be microservices and you're like we could have had this rails app running 45 minutes ago in the time that it took you to try and sell us all on using go and like building microservices for this crap and that is the part where you pull out the, like, this shit doesn't matter. Like, the, the way that you know if you've made the right choice is if you have an app that works and is valuable at the end of it. And and then if you have that, the architecture doesn't matter. That's the part where I think, like, that argument starts to come out. But then you're totally right that it can then swing across to the other side where someone is like, our app is impossible to maintain or onboard new people onto or scale. We have got to pick a different technology because this is terrible. And then someone's like, look, man, we, can, we, 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 we got this far in what we have. We can, anything you can do in that fancy framework, you can do in our thing. And immediately like you can, so you can just swat down, you know, a whole, a whole swath of arguments. And that sucks. Like, I've also seen that happen, and it sucks the, the air out of the room real quickly. Yeah, it's like both of these phrases are actually broken because they there's such a there's so much air in them that you could fill them up with your own biases. There's just so much room to stick your own meaning into it and then weaponize it. Where like if you get more specific, uh, I think you can say things like, "Hey, the the technology choice that you that you have isn't going to prevent you from shipping customer value." And, and customer value being focused on customer value is going to be the thing that advances your career. Uh, that sentiment is what I read into that. And I think that's a better statement than the technology you choose doesn't matter. Um, because the person that was like, it totally does matter. Like, because I attach myself to value and I can ship more value in rails than I could in blah, blah, blah. And, and, and it's so funny because you, you get a sense for where this person's biases are because they're mine as well, where they're like, I ship better in Rails and then Ecto and Ember. And I'm like, hey, 
those are all the technologies I've been attracted to in the past because they are focused on rapidly getting you into a place like solving the 80% of problems so you can rapidly get to a place where you're delivering a specific kind of customer value that happens to fit 80% of the use cases. And those frameworks can teach you good practices that, that I, I really like that about those. I think the, the problem is you, I think you just alluded to it is that the phrase it matters or it doesn't matter when you do X is missing the important part where like it matters to what? Yeah. Right. Like what is the, what is the criterion that we are like using to measure here? Because if you're saying like what matters is that you can do stuff no matter what, that you're like flexible and you can just like hit the ground running no matter what in any scenario and you're optimizing for that, then you suddenly get the, well, it doesn't matter what you, like it shouldn't matter what you use. It's really what he's saying. Right. If you are optimizing for this thing that I think is important, then it shouldn't matter what language or framework that you use. Now, that, that tweet didn't say that. It said it doesn't matter. It just stated it as fact. But that's like there's like a value judgment sitting at the bottom of that tweet that I think like reframes all of the claims he makes beforehand. And that he's saying, like, if you optimize for this thing that I think is valuable, then these things shouldn't matter. Yeah. And the same thing is also true when you come back and you're like, well, it matters a lot to me because I write fewer bugs in Swift and I, you know, feel more confident when I do this thing. And it's like you are clearly like both of you have fully valid opinions because you are both optimizing for extremely different things. (laughs) Like you're both right. You're just right about different points entirely. And in fact, the context is the thing that's kind of missing from even the original question, which is, do you think the tech stack choice really matters that much? Like, well, when are you making those choices? Yeah. And, and I've worked in, you and I have worked together in startups and now we both work in large companies and the choices you make under those circumstances are wildly different. Like it's wild because so much of what you're doing in a startup is guessing. And, and you and I made a, uh, a tech, when I say you and I made, I imposed upon you a tech stack choice <laughs> where I was like, Hey, it was, it was a fun adventure for all it was, us. it was great. Uh, we learned a lot. Like, Hey, we um, we have a couple of, diff- it was an incredible journey. <laughs> it was, it was an amazing journey. Thank you for coming on, on that amazing journey. <laughs> and I, you know, I'd said, the way that we're going to do this is we're going to lean on the existing knowledge and expertise and preferences of the people on the team. And you're kind of going to have to go along for the ride. And those preferences were very clear uh, for node and, and react as a stack. Like, okay, we're going to do node. We're going to do react. And it became very apparent very quickly that those choices were not conducive to quickly producing, we also had a month. We had a time constraint of a month to turn around demoable software. Yeah. And from literally nothing. From nothing. Zero. First commit. And uh, and you were going to be doing this primarily by yourself. I was going to you know, come in and help periodically. I probably overestimated how much I would be able to help. And, and so, okay, we have a team of one and we have... <laughs> 
here and 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 I've decided on your and there's there's no code and I've decided what your tech stack is going to be. In that situation, the tech stack mattered a great deal. Yeah, yeah. Like I think you gave up on Node a weekend. No, we we got to the demo and like they did the demo and the next week I deleted the Node server (laughs) (laughs) and rewrote it in Elixir and I was like, never again. I think like what four or five months into the project, we're like, man, we literally cannot add features to this thing anymore. We're bailing and we're going to switch back from React. So we went from Node React to uh, Elixir Ember over the the course of a few months in a couple of big, re- you know, couple week rewrites for a relatively small app at the time. And suddenly we were able to ship. Like uh, so, the text. DAC in a startup environment made a huge difference for us. I work at a very big company that uses a lot of suboptimal pieces of software. I really like Postgres. All the big companies I've worked at don't use Postgres because Postgres was still hipster technology five to 10 years ago when they were choosing their tech stack. So it's all MySQL. Huh. I know that, your company was yeah. more of a pioneer on the Postgres side of things. You you have a yeah. little more leeway on that one. But but uh, the problem is like we're at scale that causes us not just to have to invent so, like frameworks and software. We have to like dig into white papers and like readdress. Like, I shit you not. One of the tasks on my team's list in the next few months is to look at a 40 year old computer science problem that. Uh, has been wrong for like 40 years and we've known it as a computer science profession for about 40 years. And my team has to like re-examine that and potentially address it at a fundamental level. Yeah. This shit gets crazy at scale. And so like, there's no framework you're going to, not only is there no framework you can pull off the shelf, there's no computer programming language you can pull off the shelf that will solve this problem. I don't know, dude. Have you heard about go? It's it's (laughs) we got a lot of go. Uh, Yeah. So it's it's like, oh, okay. So the, I'm very grateful to have this experience to know like at this scale, the technology choices we made earlier don't matter because it doesn't matter what we did because everything we did up to this point uh, in terms of it's like looking down from a skyscraper and seeing like people looking like ants at the bottom. Those technology choices are irrelevant because the stuff we've built on top of that now is so many floors above where we built at first. Like when you're going from zero to the first couple floors, just getting a building to stand up and not fall over is outrageously difficult. You're understaffed, you're overworked, you don't have enough time. But those choices wind up mattering so little when you're at Amazon scale. So that's the that's kind of the like you, you know your Amazons, your Googles, your Apples, these big companies that process, you know, jillions of bytes. Yeah. So I, th- I think the interesting thing to know here, though, is that in a startup, like the, the tech choice, it, the choice itself mattered, but I don't think the thing that was chosen mattered, right? Like it, it, it mattered to me and you, the two people who were tasked with this thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it actually matters that we chose Ember in that case or we chose Elixir. Because I, 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 there's a guy on my team right now who, if you would put him in that thing, I'm pretty sure he would have chosen Node and React and been as comfortable as could yeah. be. Yeah, and either whatever choice we chose then, today, it, it's probably written in view. Like, who gives yeah. a shit? God only like, knows. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah. It matters. It matters that you are able to make that choice because it's so localized to whatever you're comfortable with. Whereas like at a bigger company, like you were saying, the thing that ended up getting chosen, like this is why Facebook being written in PHP doesn't matter because they have so much momentum. They have so many resources. They, they can absorb, the organization can absorb whatever lack of uh, incoming knowledge. Like if they're onboarding people, like they can be like, oh, we'll teach you PHP. doesn't matter. Oh, uh, PHP has like limitations and it's like VM. <laughs> we'll just, we'll, we'll write, just write our own. <laughs> like we, we, they can absorb, you know, whatever problems come along, be it personnel or technological and make that work because they have those resources. And I think like, that's obviously a really extreme case, but I think like that idea is the thing that starts to separate the two types of organizations is like when you get to the point that your organization can start to like say like, ah, we don't really care about, you know, Oh, it's harder to hire. If we, ha- if we use this technology over that technology, the point at which they're like, yeah, but that doesn't really matter because we like, because we're company X, Y, Z, and we have all these other things to offer and like people can learn new things. It's fine. Like that's where it starts to matter less what you chose, but there is absolutely a point where you have to like, we had this conversation where it was like, I can build software faster in these technologies. And you were like, but it's harder to hire for those two technologies. And we were both right. Yes. <laughs> like <laughs> I can tell you now as a person working in Ember shop, hiring Ember developers is an order of magnitude more difficult than hiring experienced react developers. Yeah. Uh, and we decide to eat the cost of doing that because the level of productivity that we have in having a unified approach that we didn't have to invent to, uh, to framework stuff. Now we are getting to a scale where that's sort of becoming not as relevant. Like applications yeah. get to a certain size where like you almost may have well have roll, rolled your own because you're, it's yeah. so much work to understand and implement and maintain your flavor of this framework open source or not across a bunch of different applications at a certain scale, the difference in whether you invented it yourself and perfected it in house or pulled it off the shelf, the amount of effort flattens at a certain scale. It's really interesting to see that happen. It's kind of fun. Yeah. And, but at the outset, I deeply respect people that are, that made a pragmatic choice <laughs> at a certain point instead of a choice. What I see often as the technology you choose doesn't matter as much as the decision-making process that led you to make that choice. And often the decision-making process that led to that is just dripping with ego. No one could possibly write an open source framework that could possibly understand the business problems that we are going to solve in this startup. You're like, what do you do? Oh, we have a, you know, gig economy meal delivery service. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Yeah, that I, I kind of like that as a as a pretty important takeaway is just like literally anytime someone recommends you a technology that's more than just like, a, hey, this is cool. Have you tried that? Like, I like this. Anytime you start to feel it cross over into like, no, no, it's really important that you understand the point that I'm making that you use this thing. That's immediately the point to stop and like immediately stop debating the technology and start like 
considering the person because that's probably what you're actually dealing with. Like you're not, there's no, there's no actual conversation about the programming language being had. You are, you have suddenly crossed over into like having a conversation with this person's ego yeah. or insecurities or whatever. The, else. You're like, why are you handing me a pamphlet that says I'm going to hell if I don't use this technology? <laughs> Uh, that's honestly like part of the turnoff for me about TypeScript for a really long time was the heebie-jeebies I got from people who wouldn't justify it on anything but moral grounds. It's immoral mm. to code in dynamic languages, and it is moral to code I in static types. Yeah, yeah. Really? Was it you that had the the TypeScript sticker that was like butt? It just said butt. Yes, but I got that from Alex Sexton. He was giving those away. Oh man, that was so that was good. very good. I missed that. Yeah, I think that like you were talking like that. I think that is kind of a good takeaway, though, is that if you find yourself feeling proselyte proselytized to instead of um, understood, like to me, it's about curiosity. If you're going to try to sell somebody a technology, it sales isn't necessarily inherently a bad thing. And evangelism isn't necessarily a bad thing. But if it's not coupled with curiosity, it's blind evangelism. And that's horrible. That stuff is so dangerous. But if it's like, hey, well, tell me about what are the kinds of problems that you're trying to solve. Like, okay. And and if you are, you know, like, well, let me, you know, let me tell you, let me tell you why this thing that I like is probably a good fit for your scenario. Uh, but I, you know, I can't say for sure. Like maybe uh, I haven't investigated the modern landscape. Maybe Vue.js is going to be a better fit for what you're trying to do than Ember for the style of application you're building. But when you tell me, you know, the needs of your project and the size of the team that you're working with and uh, whatever, like, you know, here, here are the things that actually are benefits and here are some of the trade-offs that come along with those. And if that is attractive to you, I think you're going to have a good time. That's a very different conversation. And so, yes, the, the stuff you use matters. I really like how you were kind of like alluding to in the small for your quality of life, especially at smaller scale. And by the time you're at a scale where it doesn't matter, you don't get to make those choices anyway. Those are long since made. <laughs> like technology yeah. choices are made at that point out of absolute necessity. Like, ah, our cluster's falling over all the time. Like we've got to find another technology that can handle this if so that we don't have to invent it or you invent it. And that's a very different conversation than, well, mm, let me look down the menu of the Hacker News Hot 100, you know, billboard top charts of, frameworks and languages right now let me look at the tob index and see what is hmm, let me hire my programmer sommelier hmm, this one has <laughs> has notes of haskell you know what i haven't opened up in like eight, nine nine months maybe longer like almost a year hacker news yeah haven't looked at it once good for you boy it's good uh, it's it's actually never been a thing for me so I never had to like break a habit or anything like that. But like, yeah. I know how addictive it can be to know what's going on in the world of tech fashion. Yeah. It, it, it gets, yeah, it, it's addicting for sure. And then, and then it kind of turned into this weird, like it wasn't even for information. It was more just like watching the car wrecks happen in slow motion in the comments. Like you're just like you're just like I'm just gonna open up Hacker News to see what just like terrible like exchange is happening in the comments in the top ten stories because it's guaranteed to be there. It's like a Fox show when tech bros attack. Yeah, yeah, and then and then eventually it's like this is this is gross and bad, 
I'm just not gonna do this anymore. Yeah, I I, I use Twitter for that. Let's see what we're all uh, let's see let's see what we're all upset about today. Oh yeah, oh, that is upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, you're not wrong. That's upsetting. Yep, you just described the loop. <laughs> ah, yes, that that too mm, is terrible. Yes. Well, <laughs> well, back to my spaghetti dinner. <laughs> yeah, like that's the, you you know it's a problem. Like Twitter can't be the thing you open in line, like when you're at the like you're like waiting in line at the bank, because like because Twitter is is not it's not like you're playing Candy Crush. Yeah, but that's kind of how you treat it, and then it sneaks in, and it's like, oh yeah, this thing that you just like casually opened like a hundred times a day, you like forget that. Every time you open it, you're just being reminded of how shitty things are. <laughs> Psych. Psych. Everything is terrible. Uh, yeah. Programming is bad and you should not do it. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. That's going to be the episode. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think this is probably a good place to tie it off. I, I appreciate your thoughts. Like, Maybe this is why this debate continues to rage on is our pop culture doesn't really have the room for nuance. And this is a nuanced discussion because it's so situational and it requires an empathetic and curious approach that doesn't lend itself well to platitudes and sound bites. Yeah. And, but by God, I'm going to come up with the sound bites that work for this someday. I'll be the person selling people like nuance is good. TM, TM, TM. We'll, we'll, get we'll get there. there. Like six months from now, we'll revisit this and we'll just we'll crack the code. We will. For sure. Well, for everybody listening, thank you for joining us. Uh, we love your questions. Please keep them coming. You can ask us things at Copy Paste Pod. Uh, if you are going to start a competing podcast, just give us advance warning like the, our listener, Quentin Powell, has. Uh, listener, friend, coworker in some cases. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. We love you. Go ahead and start that competing podcast. We'll subscribe instantly. And uh, and then have us on and it. Yes, please. We will absolutely guest. And for, for everyone else listening that hasn't yet started a competing podcast, like, what are you waiting for? Go for it. <laughs> it's easy, right, Chris? It's 2019, it's, people. Where's your podcast? That's what I want to know. Link <laughs> to SoundCloud. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for listening. If you want to get a hold of us, we are at Copy Paste Pod. I am at Tebiking on Twitter. I am 15 letter max and your ratings and reviews don't go unnoticed. We see them. We appreciate them. We love all five of those stars from the very bottom of our hearts. And we will look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Woo.